0: Homeless fans, you can never be too careful, especially these days and with young kids at home. Don't take any chances and secure your home with Eufy Smart Lock, an easy install all-in-one security device for your front door and that peace of mind we're all looking for. I myself am a Eufy user, and I can tell you firsthand, go ahead and ditch those house keys forever, grab a Phillips head screwdriver because that's all you'll need, and give Eufy Smart Lock a try today. No monthly fee, and Eufy customer service is waiting on standby 247 to help you with any and all home security needs. So what are you waiting for? Head to Vault Hemingway or the Pavilion or Swayze Field to cheer on your Ole Miss Rebels with the reassurance your home is in good hands with Eufy Smart Lock. Eufy Video Lock makes it easy to keep an eye on things back home. Its built-in camera can tell you who's at the front door from the comfort of your stadium seat. Search Eufy Video Lock, that's EUFY Video Lock, or visit EufyOfficial.com, EufyOfficial.com slash to see how you can gain complete control of your door. That's Eufy Smart Lock and Eufy Video Lock, a proud sponsor of the Talk of Champions Podcast Network. The legends are true. We're
1: overwhelming power!
0: The sauce of Destiny. Yes!
1: You're tuned in to Grip It and Rip It, sponsored by LB's Meat Market. We're going to get started here in a second, but first, let's hear from LB's.
0: Grip It and Rip It with Brian Scott Rippey is brought to you by LB's Meat Market. LB's, the preeminent butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi, the place to go for any and all of your meat needs. Just right now, they've got the Lane Train Special, a six-ounce bacon-wrapped filet for $10. dollars they got fresh seafood, grill packs, and a lot of different types of sausages. Put simply, if your grill is in need of meat, the only place to go in Oxford, Mississippi is LB's Meat Market. Give them a call today at 662-259-2999. That's 662-259-2999. Stop by and see them at 2008 University Avenue. That's just across the street from Kroger. It's LB's Meat Market, your butcher shop in Oxford, Mississippi.
1: Wednesday, I'm Brian Scott Rippey, Colin Brister on the other end, this is another edition of Griffin and Rip it. really kind of the aimless wonderland edition of Griffin and Rip it. I kind of called Colin to record, I don't really know what we're going to talk about, there's nothing to talk about, I was going to have an A&M guy on the podcast, He's was actually in the process of locking that up, as the game got cancelled, uh, Ole Miss off for the second week in a row, they have not played back to back games since, what, Halloween? Oof. Yeah, I guess it's Halloween. So yeah, they have Auburn
2: Vanderbilt, yeah.
1: Yeah, and so that means they have played two games since October 31st, and it is December 8th, I guess, today is the date. So, you know, I guess we'll get into some basketball, maybe a little bit of recruiting, just kind of kill some time. I felt like there needed to be some content put out, even if it's uh, not available. I started to, like, wimp out on this pod, but then I was like, wait a minute. Like, I spent three months doing pods, talking about a documentary and, like, favorite sitcoms. Uh, From (laughs) April to July. So I think I can tackle anything. What's up? Not much. Not much, man. Does it ever get like or does it ever get normal to you when you
2: watch a sporting contest and there's just nobody there? Uh, I'm watching Duke in Illinois right now. and, And there's nobody in Cameron. And it's just the most weird thing. And I know like we've seen this for months with baseball and football, but I just cannot get used to this yet.
1: Well, it would have been the same way with the NBA, but the NBA goes smartly goes into the bubble and then creates the aesthetics around the goal to make it seem as normal as possible. It's definitely different, but it seems less ominous to where baseball you're you're constantly on foul balls and there's so much dead time and they're doing pan shots of these just cavernous empty stadiums Um, college football to me, is weird a lot of the time, too. I would argue the one that's gotten closest to normal, and I talked about this on another podcast last night, is the NFL. And, yeah, it's a little weird they don't have fans there. Some places have a little bit of crowd noise, a few fans let in. But I don't know if it's just the fact that you're getting seven early games, four late games, and it just rolls on. Like, if we got nuked, I think Roger Goodell would be like, well, how is this going to affect the early slate? Like, you know, Buffalo's already <laughs> oh in God, San Francisco. We yeah, so, like, <laughs> They they've proven they can survive anything, but yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly. College hoops is the weirdest because the gyms are smaller than NBA arenas. There's absolutely no noise at all. I watched Kansas and I haven't really gotten much into the college hoops so far this year. I've watched a few games. Watched Kansas, Kentucky. I don't remember if that was last week or two weeks ago, but uh, that was super weird. That was when it hit me. I was like, okay, this is not normal. Sometimes there's little. T- it's almost like the bigger the gym the worst or I guess normal size like they those holiday tournaments where they kind of just played in the little you know, ballroom type gyms anyway it's like okay there's never anyone in here anyway right yeah but I'm I'm sitting here
2: watching number six Illinois and number 10 Duke and there's just like the Cameron crazies aren't there and it. I don't know I, I'm I'm hopeful I'll never get used to this because I'm hopeful that the uh vaccine clears all this up and I don't know by this time next year we have full full arenas and full stadiums again and I, and I think we will
1: I don't know what we're going to do, man. If we don't, I don't know how much longer I can take much of this. And I don't even live in a blue state where the lockdown restrictions are, are kind of uh, not kind of definitely more strict. Like I, I just want sports back. I know it's a small concern in the grand scheme of things, but like this sucks trying to keep up with cancellations. Like, I mean, yeah. if you really want to put an old miss spin on this, like, yes, it's been a good year and old miss fans should be happy, but you really got kind of robbed of potentially a pretty storybook, normal season with lots of people in Oxford, the, uh, you know, Oxford and the square and the Grove feeling like 2014, 2015 ish again. And it just hasn't happened. And there's plenty to be excited about if you're an Ole Miss fan. But you were kind of robbed of that. And to be honest, with as much as Corral's gone through, um, he's kind of been robbed of being a pretty storybook guy a little bit just because, you know, they're going two, three weeks between playing games. So you kind of forget about him.
2: Right. No, it's exactly right. I mean, you talk about from a, from an atmosphere and a fan perspective, I think this is a seven and four football team going into the egg bowl. And that egg bowl is, is excited that the groves packed and there's 65,000 people there. It's just, yeah, you got robbed. Cause this, this team goes four and oh, they beat Baylor and um, non-conference. And then, yeah, you, and it's, you got robbed of a lot. If you're an Ole Miss fan and that's not to say you shouldn't be excited because you should be, because this, this team's uh, to me is overplayed their expectations. Um but yeah, man, it, it, it just kind of sucks that it hit this year.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. I was about to kind of make a snarky comment about uh, you being able to like oh miss being oh Miss fans being robbed of the enjoyment of you know being able to go drink fence post beer in some dumpy stadium <laughs> in Birmingham and Memphis. But to be honest with the brand of football they played, if this had been a normal season, like non-conference and all that, you'd probably do doing that in like the Bucks or Jack stadium, trying to, you know, see if you can. Pour back enough to jump in that Jags pool or something weird yeah, like, you, yeah. you probably weren't getting the crappy stadium mix.
2: no no you're probably go, you're probably going to the Liberty Bowl or maybe even Florida or whatever but yeah it's it's unfortunate super unfortunate um but you know what let's let's put it this way I mean do you think Ole Miss has played their last football game this year
1: I don't think there's any way to accurately gauge I'll cautiously say no um I wouldn't shock me either way like we know we none of us know what the actual test numbers are and what they have to get down to. So I think it's a foolish proposition. I say foolish proposition. It's just very hard to guess. So I'll say no, because I am I guess a little bit of an eternal optimist when it comes to some things. But I mean, I don't I don't have a good like case. I mean, I can't back that up. It's impossible. No. Yeah.
2: I mean, that's completely fair. Um, You just don't know. You don't know what bowl season is going to look like. I think Ole Miss will do everything within its power to go to Baton Rouge, Louisiana next week and play a football game. Um, I don't think they were too concerned about this week. <laughs> Maybe they were, but uh, I think they're going to do everything they can to, to get on the bus or whatever plane and go play a football game in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, because I think they think they'll win it. Um, and I think they're probably right.
1: I think they're good. I would think they would beat the hell out of them. I know I kind of said the same thing for the egg bowl and granted that was a weird game. I still kind of feel like I was on the right track there in that sense. I mean, how Ole miss could have been up 28 to seven at halftime and it just broke a weird way, but yeah, I, I'll push back a little bit on the, on the A&M part of it to where Ole Miss playing good football, getting to kind of get in a rhythm for the first time in a while playing back-to-back games and, you know, or I guess it wouldn't have been back-to-back games. It, it's two off weeks at this point, but you get my point, but that's the ultimate house money game. A&M's playing really well. Like In sure. all likelihood, A&M would have run all over Ole Miss. That running sure. game is nasty. The defense is good. But, hey, what if you kind of pull in an Alabama? And A&M offensively is not Alabama. You could have kind of, you know, if you operated flawlessly, like you've seen Ole Miss do at times this year on the offensive side of the ball, who the hell knows? But I'm actually, I buy stock in A&M. I think they're pretty good.
2: Yeah. I guess my thing is, uh, I think Ole Miss was more willing to play with uh lower scholarship numbers next week than they were this week. Oh yeah. Uh, um,
1: yeah. Yeah. You're dead on there.
2: Yeah. Um, so I don't know. We'll see. And I don't know what scholarship numbers would have looked like this week. I had a feeling and I didn't say this. And, and so I can't really back it up. I had a feeling that after the egg bowl celebration and everything in the locker room, I had a feeling there might be a little bit of an outbreak. Um, and and I hate I'm right. I, I just, or again, I can't back that up, but I thought that, but it just, it kind of seemed like that, that, you know, uh, they were, you know, holding the trophy and kissing it and all this stuff. And it just kind of seemed like the, the setting was right for an outbreak. And again, look, the, they're, they're college kids. They're extremely healthy college kids. They're, they're going to be fine more than likely. Um, but it just kind of set. It seemed like that, you know, there, there was a possibility for this after that egg bowl celebration too.
1: You know, cigars, you're in a confined yeah. space, and in some cases, not trying to be that guy, but I don't know if you saw the Pick the Barstool podcast put out. There is an old Miss p- uh, player smoking, and I don't even know who this gentleman is. If that's a cigar, that's the world's skinniest cigar in one of the longer cigars I've ever seen. It's a brown <laughs> straw version of a cigar if you're picking up what I'm putting down. In all <laughs> seriousness, it's probably just a cigarillo. I doubt that's the case in there, but I found that kind of funny. Did you see that? I haven't. I need to go find that now. <laughs> I will try shoot it to you as we're recording. I'm looking at it right now where this man, whatever that is, he is chief in it. And it does, not, <laughs> Love that. it does not look like a Stogie. I'll put it that way.
2: <laughs> oh, me. But uh, no, I mean, it's it's not a big deal. I mean, the Ole Miss is the first team, I believe, that had a game moved this year because of COVID with AM a few weeks ago. Um, everybody else had already had it. So I'm for all. Intensive purposes, Ole Miss have done a really good job of managing uh, COVID for as good as they can, and you know, obviously you're going to miss a game whether it's LSU or Texas A and M um, at this point because you only have one remaining week left to play. But yeah, look, I mean, you, you I think Ole Miss has managed this, you know, uh, pandemic as, as well as humanly possible.
1: Yeah, I think for the most part they've been fine, and honestly, I, you say managed it well. I don't necessarily disagree at all because I don't have any evidence. But I think some of this is a little bit of luck to where Ole Miss really got it bad in camp. Whereas you fast forward that bad boy four weeks later and that outbreak happens after Florida or something. Well, then you become kind of the national story. Like, what did these guys do? And I don't ever think that's really anyone's fault. You know, in the NFL where they're doing daily testing and they are adhering to much more stricter and uniform protocols by one governing body. Yeah. You see the fines of Drew Locke and all that, and it's a little—it's a little easier to cast blame on professional athletes for that, is literally their only job. Where these guys have to go to class. Granted, some of it's online. You know, they're not going out. But college kids and asking a college kid not to go see a friend or something is just kind of absurd. So, yeah, I think it's just kind of luck of the draw, and you know, that's why you've seen college football handle this or uh, beats—I I guess I should say—be affected by this much worse. Than the uh, than the NFL has, but kind of is what it is. If Ole Miss season ends today, it's a success. I mean, a absolutely. raging one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Real quick, I'll give you uh, a minute and a half. Ohio State. What are your thoughts? Should that should they be in or not? If they they don't play another game before the playoffs, should they be in the
1: playoffs? You know, if of all the COVID arguments that we were when I back when I was still doing radio before this virus actually cost me a job, one of the like funnier things we kind of debate is like, what would be the funniest COVID debate? Where like. I mean, I think we came up with a scenario where like Trevor Lawrence and his backup and his backup. I guess that that would go against protocols, but this is before we had them like Lawrence misses the Notre Dame game or something like that. And then you have people yelling at each other at the end of the year. I got to be honest, back when we were making those predictions, I did not. uh, I did not have on my bingo card, Ohio State five and oh, should they get in or should they not? Just because I didn't think the Big Ten would royally botch things as bad as they did. You know, I don't have – I mean, I, I'm, this is bad podcasting, but I don't really have a strong argument. I totally get the side of you really going to put a team that won five games, struggled with a bad Penn State team, and their best win is who? Who's their best yeah. win, Indiana? And they didn't look particularly great in that. No, um, I think the question should
2: be fairly simple. Um, is Ohio State one of the best four teams in college football? If they are, put them in. If they're not, don't. And I, And I'm not smart enough, and I don't watch enough Ohio State to be able to answer that question, but that is the committee's job, right? Um, figure out if they're one of the best four teams. If they are, put them in. If they're not, don't. Um, and I don't know the answer to that question, but I think that's what you should gauge it off of.
1: Yeah, I agree. But tell that to the, you know, nine and one Texas A&M team that's like, are you kidding me? What if we had just opted out of Florida? What if we were seven and a, you know, I mean, I'd opted it out of Alabama, I Alabama. should say. But sure. yeah, that, that, like, you know, I I, I I agree with what you're saying. I mean, I think you should just get the four best teams. But is there not a part of you, there's a part of me, and I'm not saying put coastal in the playoff, and Cincinnati's having COVID issues this week, but like if it comes down to it and all hell breaks loose and like Florida wins or something and then like AM gets upset by Tennessee, just absolute mass chaos scenario. Why the hell not in this year that like the validation of it is argued and it's just weird as hell? Like if Ohio State's sitting at five and zero and doesn't get to play another game, why the hell not just put someone like that in?
2: I mean, it's not going to bother me. I mean, I I have no strong opinion. I I think Cincinnati's actually good. Yeah, I actually think Cincinnati could play with like a Notre Dame or a Clemson. I don't think it would go well against Alabama just because I don't think they have the speed on the defense side of the football to match up well with them. Um, But, yeah, I mean, I have no problem with it. I just do love how in this year when everything is insane and chaos and whatever, uh, we're going to end up with an Alabama-Clemson national title.
1: And still arguing whether Ohio <laughs> State got jobbed or not. I mean, it's like literally the same thing. Like there's no like – the just, outcomes are no different here.
2: No, we're just going to have an
1: Alabama-Clebson national
2: title because that's what we did.
1: So if Ole Miss' season is over today, I think the most surprising things that happened this season is I'll go uh, – we'll just kind of trade back and forth on one of them. We didn't really prep for this at all, so I'm putting you on the spot. Um, I'll just go an easy one. Them winning four conference games, normal season, not normal season, did yeah. not see that. Um, no, no,
2: it's, uh, it would be a, a one hell of a feat. If you, uh, if you play the non-conference games, you're four and and then win the, uh, four conference games, you're eight 14. Uh, no, I did not anticipate four conference wins, um, before the year. Um, and you know, it's funny and you can't do this, but you leave what two of them on the table with, with Florida or with, uh, Auburn and Arkansas, where if you just play like you should, you probably win those games, but uh, you don't get to do redos. Um, but it, it, it is uh, extremely successful to, to win four games in this league and possibly a fifth, obviously.
1: What's uh, something that sticks out for you?
2: <sighs> Matt, I mean, it's, it's corral, right? <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's, the ob- that's the next obvious <laughs> I mean, one. No one, like, I was trying to this. think of,
2: of a creative answer, but it, it's my Corral. Like he comes in and plays like a first round quarterback. Um, I think he winds up being a first round quarterback next year. So, um, yeah, it's him, man. What what a special year for him, and and to do that after what he dealt with last year, uh, just kind of says a little bit about him too. To, you know, he's not going to leave when I mean he look he was headed out when uh, when Luke was still here, but look he gave the staff another chance, and man, yeah, I think it's been a success for a rousing success for both of them.
1: And to, to be completely fair as well, him lo- leaving if Matt Luke and Rich Rodriguez are given another year is not the unhappy four-star who does not get immediate playing no. time going to look, like thinking he's better than he is going to look like he would, I would have drug tested him if he'd have stayed, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> I mean, that it's just a toxic scenario. Yeah,
2: this dude walks to Oregon as the starter. And I think that was, I think we both said that that was pretty close to happening. If Matt Luke uh, stays, I think, I think Oregon was pretty dead set on getting them a quarterback from Oxford Mississippi
1: yeah but kudos to him I mean just a fantastic season and you're one yeah. you know ever we've, we've said for weeks you're one you know he's one bad game away from being an Heisman consideration and you know I guess the more you look at that that's probably not quite the case just because Ole Miss is four and four and they've had the weird thing with. I say not finish strong. They haven't played enough consistently to kind of be in the storylines the whole time. Right. So I don't know if that's necessarily true, but man, you better watch out next year.
2: Yeah. I mean, can you imagine if, if let's just pretend that COVID's eradicated, which I don't believe it will be by next August. Uh, but you know, let's, let's pretend it. That uh, stadium and the Georgia dome when old Miss and Louisville open on I think a Thursday night is just going to be insane. It like there will be 30,000 Ole Miss fans there because they won't get a bowl trip this year.
1: Yeah, that is that's very true. I hadn't even really thought that far ahead. Hopefully, like you said, hopefully we can have people there and it's all back to normal, but yeah, that really will be, that really will be kind of insane. And you know, I don't pretend to know the ins and outs of Louisville's depth chart, But uh, aside from Satterfield putting his foot in his mouth all week in his press conferences, they don't exactly seem to be in like a plucky Boise State or something. Like Ole Miss should. Ole Miss has a chance to kind of go lay the beat down in that one.
2: What else did he say besides the the horrible commitment soundbite that I heard? Did he
1: say anything else? No, I guess that was the only thing. It was the the players have to be all in because they're just kids, and the uh, coaches have to think about their families. It's like I I, like I, I listened to the full soundbite, and he was. He was saying something that like, I think most coaches think, but there was a much more delicate, more artful way to say, it. even if Lane Kiffin had that opinion, which I don't think he does. Um, he would have said that in a much softer, much uh, where it would not have made national news. He just like Satterfield just sounded like a dumb meathead.
2: Yeah. I mean, good God. Like that's always been my argument of, uh, you know, why can, why can coaches leave and coach the next year? But uh, kids that transfer can't play the next year is, makes no sense and then he just took that argument and he he uh prefaced the opposite side so poorly that it was like yeah you know what i actually i'm glad i believe this way
1: well he gave you your answer because they have families, so boom problem solved <laughs> you if you want to have- leave go have kids
2: <laughs> that's a good point can we can we get a, a one year or a one time no
1: no penalty transfer if you have a son or a daughter can we do that exactly. Exactly. If you have a kid, if if that little guy's on the way or he's already out, like penalty free transfer is apparently what Scott Satterfield is advocating for. So reeling back in from uh, Matt Corral's hypothetical child, uh, remarkable season for for that kid. And you know, it's it's something to where you're going to have. You know, you always talked about during the Matt Luke era, like what the hell are they selling next year? Like it was the yeah. same question walking off the field at the Egg Bowl last year. I didn't know that night whether he was getting fired or not, but I kept going back on the drive home as I'm trying not to run off the road on two lane highways, sitting there thinking, "What are they selling? Like, how in the world after that game in the last, you know, three or four games with a half interested LSU team not included, what are you selling next year? You selling Plumlee? They were probably going to try, like you yeah, know, like the defense dunk. so." Ole Miss has something to sell. They have multiple things to sell and that's going to create an off season of an excitement and anticipation, uh, particularly if they can kind of keep up this newfound momentum on the recruiting trail. I'm not a recruiting expert. You're not a recruiting expert, but it does seem in this kind of crapshoot early signing period. Ole Miss is certainly trending in the right direction.
2: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And look, I, I don't think it's a secret that me and you are, like you said, not recruiting gurus by any stretch of the imagination. I follow it as much as I need to, I guess is the way to put it. Um, but, you know, and I've seen a lot of people like, you know, why are Ole Miss fans getting excited over three stars this year? And, look, I'll be honest, at the first I was like, you know, that's kind of a good point. Um, I think it's important this year to remember that the kids are not accurately um, rated and represented by their star rating. So maybe just, you know, get get off that beat for a year. Look, um, in most normal year stars absolutely matter. Um, without a doubt, don't let anybody tell you they don't. In a COVID year where people aren't able to get out and scout kids, maybe we should, you know, just just lay off that a little bit.
1: Yeah, no real pushback from me there on that end either. And I wonder, this is an interesting thing I thought of the other day. Are there going to be more outliers in terms of like why did that kid end up going there? Because yeah. kids haven't been on campus like to see these stadiums and have the normal recruiting thing in quite a while. Like, there's there's probably like you're probably going to see. I mean, this was probably turning in that direction anyway, but, you know, year and a half, two years from now, you're probably going to see a little bit of a spike in what's already kind of gotten, I say out of control, it has a negative connotation. What has gotten rampant attrition each year with kids transferring, it's probably going to spike even higher because you're going to have kids that committed somewhere or signed somewhere that hadn't been on the campus in a while, and then it's like, well, why did I do this?
2: Yeah, no, I I think you're completely right. I think there's kids that wind up at group of five schools that, don't have power five offers that would have in a normal year. Um, So, yeah, I'm completely with you. I think in two years you have guys that are coming out of JUCO uh, or maybe even one year that uh, are full qualifiers out of JUCO because, you know, hey, guys didn't get down to see them because, you know, COVID. Um, So, yeah, I think that's an interesting dynamic to follow going forward is how many people uh, that just fell in between the cracks because of this virus.
1: Agree. And kind of just getting in a little bit more on Ole Miss's recruiting front i mean last week they flipped luke altmeyer who my dear friend ryan buchanan has some competition if he wants to make the back pages a total frat move this young man committed in a tahoe uh playing something i don't know who this guy is his name is little baby um apparently that's a hot <laughs> hot in the streets with the kids uh what a way to uh, announce you're flipping from florida state that's uh that's something and he's got the same frat cannon swoop you don't you don't know who little baby is no what what does he have a kid it's- He's, he's a, he's a rapper. Oh, uh, okay. anyways. Hey, <laughs> anyway, a little bit. So commits a little baby four-star kid. You know, I, I wrote about a little bit last week. how, the, I wrote a column last week that corral coming back in 2021, not necessarily a surprising feat. But no. something that, that that affords, like, obviously, it's obvious to show, like, how much Corral's benefited from the stability and the competence of Kiffin and Levy. But Corral coming back and playing well and being the guy and, you know, taking control of the reins in the program, you know, relatively long term, the next 24 months, also affords Kiffin and Levy if Levy stays, which I lean, yes. But, you know, who the hell knows there as well, uh, going in and being more replacement, uh, being more patient, uh, finding his eventual replacement and successor like I, I guess i framed it this way and all this seems obvious but what the hell do you do if your old miss if, if corral nor plumley had panned out this year where do you go <laughs> uh
2: the juco market and you pray um a lot or the grad transfer market i mean that's that's what you would have had to do um i think you know i think that's what they would have done is, is they go down to you know scuba and see if they have a quarterback this year and whatever um but you try to go get an experienced guy and bring them in to run your system for a year while you try to groom a replacement like Altmyer and, and, you know, hopefully Arch Manning. Um, wouldn't have much other option beside that, though.
1: No, right. I think that's kind of the side of this Corral thing that gets lost. It's like, you know, Kiffin's generating all this momentum. We just talked about what they're selling a year two. You know, Corral playing well and coming back and him kind of having some stability, you know, going into a spring with the same head coach and coordinator for the first time, it affords the staff a lot of luxuries as well.
2: I wonder if this, and and I'm not trying to deviate here, um, because, you know, he transferred high schools in in his last year, right? Went from somewhere to, I think, Long Beach Prep. So this may legitimately be his uh, first year since his sophomore year of high school that he had the same coordinator.
1: So basically the last (laughs) time he really had any sort of continuity, the kid was fresh off a driver's license. Yeah, that's... That's crazy
2: to me, Um, because I'm pretty sure he transferred high schools in between his junior and senior year. I could be wrong on that, but yeah, wow, continuity, not a, I mean, so, and just think about like, you know, look, obviously they didn't get to do what they wanted to do with him with the COVID uh, year and not having spring football. Um, Just imagine if they're able to do that this year, how much, you know, how much better
1: and how much more of the offense they're going to be able to get in. Couldn't agree more. So you get you get Altmaier pocket passer, flips from Florida State. Can't really blame him what's going on there. Uh, 12, December 4, you get the rare recommitment from Elijah Sabatini, a safety out of Biloxi. That doesn't happen often. When's the last time you heard of a kid <laughs> decommit and be like, nah, just kidding?
2: Wait, wait. Didn't Jerry on Ely technically decommit so he could visit Clemson?
1: Yeah. So that's a loophole one, but I don't think that was the case here. I don't think this, well, I know, I, I know for a fact, I was mostly being facetious. I know for a fact, Mr. Sabatini did not go to uh, Howard's rock and all of that. So <laughs> well, that's kind that of a rare one. I, I wonder what happened there. I wonder what, was that legitimately the case that you can't visit Clemson if you're committed elsewhere? That was always, I never, never got that from anywhere credible, but that was kind of just accepted. It's like, oh yeah, Dabo doesn't take kids if they're, doesn't let kids visit if they're committed, which oh. I mean, how on brand Dabo Sweeney is that? Can you, like, you can understand why they didn't get questioned.
2: Has he gone from you know, like kind of cool to insufferable faster than any other human being on this planet?
1: That's what happens with every single college coach that has a shtick. You can tell some dudes are who they are and, you know, just normal guys, nice guys. I mean, you can, I mean, honestly in this industry, I guess, you know, the, uh, the stick guys kind of, uh, get more of the attention for obvious reasons, but there are uh, genuine guys out there. And I'm not saying Dabo is not completely dis disingenuous, but you get my point. This is what happened with stick guys. It wears off. You get sick of it.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, uh, his, his is certainly without a doubt worn off. Um, to a T. But anyways, I yeah, I mean, you, you talk about Sabatini. Look, I think um, I think he reminds me. Look, I again, not a recruiting guru here. He reminds me just kind of from watching some highlight films of, of Cody Pruitt's highlight film from high school. I, and, and man, if, if they could get a Cody Pruitt who can tackle like that in open space, buddy, you'd have something.
1: Yeah, that is uh, incredibly true, particularly given what their current you know position is up front on the interior defensive line. And speaking of that, you get a commit from Isaiah. I don't know how you say this kid's last name, I or Ethan, uh, a yeah, yeah, yeah. college kid, huge defensive lineman. Probably. I don't know this off the top of my head, but I talked to someone a while back about, you know, a couple of the Juco market guys. I imagine he's going to be plug and play. I mean, what yeah, are you competing absolutely. against up there?
2: Yeah, and, you know, I've seen a lot of people do the, you know, Juco's take time to adjust. I get it. I get it. They do. They absolutely do. Um, But have y'all seen Ole Miss's defensive line? Like, he he just going to have to adjust out there on the field because he got to play. I I read where he would likely be in a normal year, the number one or two uh, defensive line prospect in America uh, out of Juco. So, uh, yeah, kids got to go. Uh, immediately so he, they need him here as soon as possible and getting ready to go um, frankly if he could be here for LSU next week that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world
1: <laughs> and they get another one they've had another one for a while the early October commit in the Gordon kid out of uh, East Mississippi and scuba so all in all in this class right now you got a quarterback a receiver two offensive linemen four defensive linemen five defensive backs and do they have two kickers committed uh, just one. No, to they've got a they've got a kid that's an athlete that Kendrick Breed loved that they don't really know what he is yet. The other one is the kicker, Caden Costa. What does yep. that mean right now? Not a whole lot. Like I don't think they're going to not sign a linebacker in this class. There's a hot take for you. Um, <laughs> but you know, you can kind of see the pieces of this coming together.
2: Sure, sure. And, you know, obviously they lost the kid today to uh, Mississippi State. I think John Lewis was his name. I'm not sure. Um, but, yeah, they're, they're going to sign linebackers. They, God knows they need some. Um, so it'll be interesting to go forward. I've, I've I've always kind of been, for a little bit now, been fascinated with how they're going to manage. I mean, a signing day when technically you still have a football game on Saturday is just wild to me.
1: Yeah, I'm sure coaches love that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I mean, almost Miss has a football game uh, the Saturday after signing day. I'm sure not going to be a lot of sleep this coming week.
1: No, not in the slightest. So that's kind of what they've had on the recruiting front lately. couple of uh, commitments rolling in, and I imagine you're only going to see that continue um, as we kind of get deeper into this thing in this early signing period approaches. Really, outside of that, I mean, any all if this is the end of Ole Miss' season, and again, I don't know if it's not, so this may be a fullest exercise. Anything else stuck out? I mean, The defense was probably a little worse than I thought. Um, I mean, look, I I think it's,
2: we knew how good this kid was, but uh, I mean, Elijah Moore was special. Uh, I mean, just, I knew if they could ever run an offense that was tailored to him, that they could do special things with him. Um, But kudos to him. He had to go perform and stay healthy. And by God, he did.
1: The kid broke records set in 12 game seasons when you get, you know, UT Martin and, you know, whoever the hell else I can't think of right now. You know, Tennessee Tech and all that. Like no it's nuts now.
2: what he did. No, no, there's no need to say their name again.
1: Uh yeah, sorry, wrong one. I was thinking of UT Martin <laughs> and I couldn't think of another one. So I just threw it. We'll Tech. say uh, South East,
2: Louisiana. Yeah, them.
1: Yeah. If that left fielder was playing quarterback, Ole Miss might have been in trouble, but oh, that's God. neither here nor there. Um so yeah, I don't know. We'll see if Ole Miss plays another game. But uh, that's kind of what's been happening. I guess before we get to basketball, the last piece of football news we'll discuss tonight, and not shocking at all, uh, not the last one either. uh, Matt, excuse me, Grant Tisdale uh, transfers out. And, you know, I was a little surprised he actually came back. I get it, new blood on the coaching staff, you know, kind of a clean slate to that degree. But I figured if there was a guy that would have left regardless last year, it was him. And so, uh, but he finally leaves, makes that official. uh, Good luck to him. You know, not shocking at all. My take like, I always thought he's, he was an interesting case because he was a pretty good-rated kid. He gets into that Alabama game, uh, throws one pass. It's a beautiful spiral, and then you have, you know, seven more games of quarterback dysfunction where you're aimlessly rotating crowd Plumley out, and that makes, like, Tisdale a little bit of a message board martyr. Toy. If you actually talk to anyone around the program, it's like, hey, I don't really see it at this level.
2: Well, there's, there's a reason he went and played wide receiver this year um you know and when he thought about transferring last year I don't think he really got the offers that he thought he was going to get so um yeah I look, look good luck to the kid I think he's a pretty good athlete from all indications and uh you know hope, you hope it works out for him um so it, it's not shocking in the least bit look they brought in what three quarterbacks in that class Plumlee uh Dent and Tisdale I mean at some point though somebody had to go um and, you know, I don't know what Tisdale or uh, what Dent and Plumlee's future holds, but, you know, it's just hard to keep quarterbacks that aren't playing. It's really that simple.
1: Sure. but I mean, the kids want to play. You get four years to do this thing, and, you know, now you're kind of, I mean, if there's any more incentive to go, the year didn't count. So, yeah. like, I mean, if you're going to go, go. So, yeah, there's going to be more of this. There's going to be increased attrition with the year not counting in particular, but not surprising at all to see Tisdale go. I mean. If he's a conference USA or Sun Belt quarterback, I'd be interested to see how that turns out. Does he have the chops for that level? I don't, I don't, I'm not like, I don't, I don't mean that condescending. I'm actually kind of interested to find out like, yeah. would it stun me if he tore it up at La tech or Troy or something in a couple of years, or it's probably North Texas. That feels very North Texas. That's just a <laughs> wild guess on my part. No, but if he never really played quarterback elsewhere, it wouldn't stun me either.
2: Yeah. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, obviously you said, you know, plays the Alabama game last year and we just don't have much else to go on. So uh, we'll see. I mean, um, you know, but, you know, this isn't surprising quarterbacks again that don't play don't really stay.
1: So transitioning away from football, um, maybe in in the 21 season, maybe not. That's uh, some hard-hitting analysis for you to close out the football (laughs) segment portion of this night. Oh, Miss is going to play basketball this week. I believe if someone – and this is an Adam Kuffner nugget basketball SID that I saw on the internet earlier today, so not my own original stat. If a certain school – and I'm about to look this up because now I'm butchering it because it doesn't sound as cool – uh, Ole Miss could, long story short, Ole Miss could potentially be the last power five school to play a game. Really? Yes.
2: Wow. Okay. Um, Wouldn't shock me at all. I guess, I guess, that I mean, that's, you know, obviously you have the COVID outbreak, you know, two days before the season starts or whatever. That's usually or kind of how that would go. So, um unfortunate, you know, what happened, but obviously I'm sure they're excited to get started tomorrow. I mean, and then everybody's relatively, or everybody kind of bounced back from having COVID, I guess, because there was, there was. Four or five cases I know of within inside that program. So um obviously everybody's at back healthy. So that's good to see. So uh it's gonna be an interesting year. Um, just from a can you play basketball perspective? And then how good is Ole Miss perspective?
1: Yeah, COVID aside, I think this is an NCAA tournament team. And I know like all of us that worked in media at the time, I say past tense. Obviously, I'm not doing this full time and won't be covering all the games in person anymore, but like you know, that was kind of what was said last year, and they just kind of whiffed on some plug-and-play guys, and that's kind of the nature of the beast in terms of college basketball recruiting, particularly if you're not a blue blood. And it didn't work out. That didn't mean the assessment was wrong because they did have guys that were highly rated. I think this year's a different story, and I wrote on the old OleMissSpirit.com on Sunday night just four things, five things. I think it was five that I was just looking forward to looking at in the first week. And, uh, you know, that, of course, went into people on the board being like, well, what about this guy? Like, yes, man, I just picked five. Like, I'm not <laughs> writing 1700 words on a Sunday, but yeah. be that as it may, I'll just kind of go through them. The first one I was obviously excited about, Jarkel yep. Joyner. Can you know he be the volume scorer that you heard all the stories about in practice last week? Like, you know, what is he creating his own shot off the dribble? You kind of know the kid is shifty and can get to the rim. What is he off the dribble? How does he shoot the ball? Do they need him to be that volume scorer? This is kind of the first year that Kermit on paper has the guys to play inside out through the front court, which is really what most of his teams throughout his career, particularly at middle did. He's just been guard oriented out of necessity at Ole Miss because, you know, you inherited a and Tyree and, you know, Terrence Davis, whatever you want to call him. He's a wing. And that's just kind of been out of necessity. So do they need him to be? I'm excited to see Jarkel join
2: uh, yeah and you know obviously we talked you know to people around the program last year and i don't know if this is blowing smoke or what but they would tell you he's the best player on their team um you know we'll see uh but he's gonna have to score the basketball i do know that i'm interested to see how i can defend uh he's he's a good player man um so i i don't know if he was the best player on their team last year but we will uh we'll get to find out quick because i think they're gonna have to run a lot of offense through him
1: yeah, he's a bucket getter, particularly early on, because I don't think Ole Miss is going to be completely at full strength in the front court to start this thing. They got a couple guys in concussion protocol. KJ Buffin has not had have not had much basketball activity in the last couple of weeks. So I think in particularly early on in the first couple of games of the season, you're probably going to see that. But uh, what that looks like beyond that, I don't really know. But that's going to be an interesting storyline to follow is like, does Kermit kind of turn this into his, you know, front court? play inside out, whoever it is, Romello white, I would say would probably be the best candidate. Maybe KJ makes a huge leap, huge leap. Hell, maybe it's Robert Allen or Sean Robinson. I would probably bet on Romello white, but uh, anyway, like, is it that, or they kind of just go back to like, let Jarkel take 10 to 15 shots a night because that's our best option. And that's not a bad option either because Ole Miss is going to rebound and be much better defensively. It's just kind of what, what Kermit Davis ends up deciding is kind of the best way to go about things for this team. Yeah, I absolutely agree.
2: Um, you know, obviously he wanted to see, he wants to play from it, but inside out uh basketball and and I think he's got the personnel like you said this year to do that for the first time. So, um look, Romello White averaged a double-double in the Pac-12. PAC you don't you don't just do that by accident. So, we'll see. Uh but if, if that kid plays well, then you you got really and and is able to shoot the ball well, man, you really might have something
1: I agree. I'm excited about that as well. The second thing I am excited about is what is their defensive strategy? And this is not something you're going to find in the first week of the season. No. But like Kermit Davis made no bones about it last year. I mean, he basically just called the team soft after, you know, pick whatever game you want, where they got running out of the gym on a Tuesday night, you know, at Auburn or whatever, whatever game you want to pick. Like AK would kind of subtly dig at the guys and kind of no. get his message out. Subtly Kermit will just be like, "Yeah, these guys are soft. Like they're not in the, they're not my type of DNA in terms of uh in terms of the team I've, teams I've coached in the past." So, he got dudes that are going to defend and he got dudes that are going to rebound. And you get a healthy Luis, Rodri- Luis Rodriguez back, you get Demetrio Vaughn who's going to add some toughness, you get Ramella White, you know, Robert Allen, like they're going to rebound better. So, I'm interested With that being said, on the defensive side of things, I'm curious if they are better defensively. And I think you'll see a lot of man defense, particularly early on in the season, just as he evaluates guys and what they are as individual defenders in game action. But if they do end up being better defensively, does he kind of open up basketball is different, but does he open up the playbook to throw out a football term and kind of feel, I guess the uh, comfort to mix up his defenses more, you know, take, like Ole Miss was not good enough defensively to take advantage of dead ball situations and out of timeouts and things to change the pace and change defenses because they weren't very good at it. And so I just right. wonder if they're good defensively, if you start seeing them really get a lot more sophisticated on that end.
2: Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Um, you know, obviously the, the more talented and skilled you are, the more open uh, you are to do different things Tell you. Who I'm interested in this year is, is Hadeem C. Um, I thought at times last year, he looked like a good player. Um, and then times he did. So, uh, if if they can get something out of him, and Mello, man, you you really got a front court that that can play.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. That was just an oversight by me. I just didn't mention Hadim I just kind of forgot about it. But that's a guy who last year. Hadim was very good. He was not very good back to the basket at times, like with touch or kind of sophistication of his post moves, but there were glimpses particularly towards the end of the year last year where he was very good in pick and roll situations. He has a good feel for that. And he has a good ability to finish at the rim. It's just kind of when he's fed on the block and you're asking him to turn around and kind of get by a guy and create a pretty easy bucket. He struggled at that. But if he's improved at that, that's a, that's a, like, it sounds simple, but that's a huge a huge game changer and really opens up what he could be and expands the ceiling. What as to what he could be as an offensive player. And I'm really interested to find that out. I agree. He's got to get better defensively as well. And rim protecting a little bit. Wasn't awful last year, but uh, I yeah, he's another interesting guy. What kind of jump has he taken? He and Buffett are the two guys where it's like, okay, what are you? And I can kind of see what this team is because, you know, it's a little easier because they're known commodities, but I'm interested in those two in particular.
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you can just get one of those guys, man, to to play good basketball uh, with what you think, Romello White. And look, obviously, Robert Allen's there. Uh, Domencio Vaughn's there. It, I just think, man, if you could get one more big to contribute with what I think Romello will give you, it's going to be really, really hard to stop this team. Uh, and, I, and I mean that relatively. I don't think they're going to be the SEC champs or anything. But I do think, you know, a six or seven seed in the NCAA tournament, if, if you get that, is not out of the question.
1: Yeah, agree. So, I just a little bit as we kind of get into the front court, because that was the next note I had is one, what are Ramella White, Sean Robinson, uh, Robert Allen, the new guys? But what was interesting, that was actually the fourth note I wrote was the the known commodities, the guys that are returning. What do you have out of KJ Buffin? I don't know what to make of KJ Buffin this year. If he can kind of be the scorer you saw flashes of in the non conference last year and stay out of foul trouble, oh man, they're deep in the post this year. And then you really, that really does play into the can they be a front court? oriented team. So I don't really know what he is. I don't really have a ton of analysis on that. I don't, you know, this is going off a story Ben wrote last week. I don't think you'll see much of him um, because he hasn't had much basketball activity the last couple of weeks. weeks. Um, and then Devonte Shuler has been a little bit sick as well. You'll probably see obviously some of him, but um, yeah, that's just a, kind of a little bit of an injury rundown, but yeah, Buffin and C those are going to be two interesting guys to watch. And then I guess the flip side of that newcomer, obviously, Matthew Morrell. I don't know how he factors in. He is a freshman. You know, That's a game changer if he gives you really solid bench minutes or hell becomes a starter. But um, I don't really know what to make of him either, but I'm eager to find out.
2: Yeah. No, look, I mean, he's a freshman, but, man, I don't think that uh, they signed that kid to sit for a year. So um, he's the best shooter. Oh, on he's the... going
1: to play. Just yeah. how much?
2: Yeah, he's the best shooter on the team, I've been told. So. Um, that'll be interesting to see. I, I, I think obviously you'll, you know, you're going to have some freshman woes out of him, but, uh, he's going to play and, and Ole Miss is going to need him to play well. Um, so we'll see. I, I, I interested in Sean Robinson a little bit, uh, just because I think they can still sit him a year. Not look, obviously he's got his redshirt is gone, but they've got bigs that if he's not ready all the way to go, they don't have to rush him into this. And which I think is good because I think in the future, uh, that kid's got a chance to be a, a really good player.
1: Same goes for Sammy Hunter, who's a guy last year. He's like the classic freshman where you watch him and they, you know, they had to stick him out there sometimes because they were short-handed, particularly uh, in the front <laughs> court last year. They basically just had to stick him out there to survive. Like, you know, can you get to the next media timeout? And he was the classic freshman where it's like, oh, man, this guy looks clueless. But you did keep hearing from uh, different staffs staff members, and even just Kermit throughout the year. It's like he's, he's there. The game's just moving a little too quick for him right now. He's got the skill, He's got the touch. So, you know, that's another guy they're high on. You know, they're nine, you know, they're not going to go 10, 11 deep this year. I don't think you're going to see that really much in college basketball um, anymore, but like, you know, they got 10 guys, 11 guys that they could really seriously be candidates to kind of whittle this thing down to seven rate. And then of course, you know, with COVID and cancellation and injuries, if you're ever going to have, you know, almost unnecessary depth, this would be the year to have it. Absolutely. I mean, and
2: you know, I don't know how I'm not a scientist by any stretch of the imagination, but I mean, you know, when you have the number of COVID cases that they've had on this team, I wonder how that affects you going forward, right? Like, I don't know how many more guys you can have, get it and shut it down. Um, because look, you had a, you had an outbreak last week where I know at least three players got it. And I'm ventured to say there's probably been some more in the past that have had it. So what does, uh, you know, I feel like you've kind of already fought your uh, COVID battle to an extent.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I'd like to point out that I'm also not a scientist in case (laughs) that was up in the air, but yeah, it's a good point. I don't really know, you know, it, (laughs) how does that affect different teams throughout the year? And the two concussion guys just pulling up Ben's note. It took me a while to get there. The two con- concussion guys were Romello and C apparently I think they, un- as it, is, it has been understood kind of bumped heads in practice. Cause you're sitting uh. there thinking how the, hell did two hoops dudes get concussions? Mm. So You know, maybe that's someone you don't see a ton of uh, during the early part of the season. But I mean, obviously, if you watch this team last year and you watch any Pac-12 ball, those are going to be two guys that are probably going to be starters. And at least one of them, and I would venture to guess two are out there in crunch time as well. And so the last thing I'll say before we get out of here to close the podcast on this from a hoops note, Devontae Shuler is going to be a really important piece in terms of Jarkel joyner's success. Because Joyner's going to be much better suited to play off the ball. And if Schuer, you know, struggles with injuries or inconsistency or confidence or whatever he's kind of been plagued with for the last couple of seasons, that's going to really affect uh, Jar a little bit because it's taken Jar out of what, you know, the maximum, what maximizes his skill set. And that's playing off the ball and running him off screens and all that. You know, I think you're going to see some Austin Crowley at point guard as well. But if you can, you know, if Schuer can be the guy in 20, I guess that was, you know, 18, 19 for stretches where he's right. playing 38, you know, not 38 minutes. a night. That was just kind of silly and they had to, but 33 minutes a night to where you don't have to worry about 15 minutes of filling in point guard depth. That's going to be huge for the team and for joiner. Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. Man, they, I don't think this is an NCAA tournament team. If Devonte Shuler doesn't play well. Um, so he, he probably needs to play well. If my assumption is correct, which I've been wrong plenty the past week. But I, I yeah, th- this team just feels like man, they need their senior to play well. Look, Devontae is not. Look, I thought there were times last year we played well, and I, I think anybody would be silly to say that he is he is the guy that performed last year. Um, I think anybody that's watched Devontae Shuler knows that that this kid can play basketball, um, and and I expect he has a pretty good year this year.
1: I Agree. I mean, and even he can be he can have a good year without being a you know. 14 15 point a game guy but if he goes up a level offensively and is that holy hell watch out for this group
2: absolutely absolutely man i, I i'm excited for this group um and i was i was excited last year but for whatever reason look the the plug and play guys you mentioned did, didn't work out so um but i i think when you look at a guy that's played at rider like demencio a guy that's played at Arizona state like romello white um and they've had the success that they've had um I think I think it's a little bit different when you're plugging and playing those guys.
1: And they're old. I mean, I mentioned the tougher and and rebounding and defense and all that, but Kermit also wanted to get older. He was tired of guys just looking lost out there, particularly when he got into his bench. He wanted to get older. And Dementia Vaughn, yeah, it's Ryder, but, you know, mid-major hoops is still pretty high level of basketball. I mean, I know that's a simplistic way to put it, but that's a guy that's played a ton of minutes and been around a college basketball program for a long time. Same thing goes for Amelo White. Those are dudes that have been through battles and when you get in crunch time, particularly in the SEC, that matters because I would argue at times last year, particularly in those couple of games where Tyree fouled out, you kind of saw what happens when you don't have that.
2: Absolutely. I mean, look, when this when Tyree was not on the floor last year, I mean, th- this thing went to crap. Um, so you you need guys like that for sure. It's uh it's a team, man, that that look if, if Kermit can get to another NCAA tournament second in three years, I think you're really gonna have a a, a serious buy-in for football and something that frankly, I don't know if I, I, this isn't fair to say, I don't think, but I don't necessarily think people always bought in under AK. Um, I'm not necessarily. No, blaming they definitely AK. did
1: not. He would tell you that.
2: Yeah. And, well, he probably I,
1: wouldn't say that out loud, but
2: yeah, hey, he might. Um, but I'm not blaming AK for that. I just don't ever think that this fan base has ever bought into basketball. And I think Kermit's a tournament away from having them maybe do that.
1: I agree, it changes completely how you look at the program. It, it guy at Ole Miss goes to two tournaments in three years, whereas if he doesn't go, it kind of matter. It kind of matters what happened and how they didn't get there. But yeah, if he gets to the tournament for the second time in three years, you know that's tangible evidence of building something that has not really been built at this place. And I think the commitment would follow because I think Ole Miss basketball is in a much different place than it was when AK really actually got it rolling. And that's a credit to him. You know, if if AK had done what he had done. And ha- If AK had had a clone come in and do what he did for the first seven years, and then AK t- takes over, he probably gets the buy-in.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, good kudos to him. He's 4-0 and over at UAB. I actually watched a game his other night. Uh, it's fun to see him back on the sideline. But I think he's having a hell of a lot of fun with it, too. He probably is. He probably is. AK's never had a bad time, I don't think. Um, That's a good point. When he was in the Tad Pad, he probably had a bad time.
1: But, yeah, dad in one night in Cincinnati. But you know, other than that, the international <laughs> incident, it was,
2: <laughs> so. I, love how, I love how at AK's last press conference at Oxford, he says, man, we don't have problems on this team. I'm the only person that's caused a problem on
1: this team. <laughs> uh, <laughs> what are the, group. what are the greatest lines you've ever dropped? He goes, we got good kids. Yeah. Goes, we don't have any incidents. The only one we had was me and it was an international one. <laughs> and I was like, this man is walking out on a program. He's not walking out, but, you know, being escorted, ushered out of a program he's built. And he's cracking jokes about him having a few too many cocktails. That's just AK's awesome. That pretty much sums it up.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's but, uh, go, go ahead.
2: No, I was just going to say, I mean, it's, you know, it, AK, look if we're talking about AK, you never have this opportunity without, without what he built. So I'm sure he would be the, you know, first to tell you that he hopes Ole Miss fans buy into basketball under Kermit Davis. And like we said, I think we're one NCAA tournament away from having that happen.
1: Couldn't agree more. And that's pretty much inarguable. I mean, you're not, you're not where you are without Andy Kennedy and what better place to end the podcast, what better note than end it with a nice AK story. So I think that's where we'll wrap up tonight. I appreciate you coming on in short notice, dude. We just kind of, uh, you know, shot the breeze for 45 minutes, trying to give the people some content when there's not a whole lot going on. But Ole Miss tips off their season, 7, 8, 7 p.m. against Jackson State Thursday. I think, like, it's two or four. I don't feel like looking it up on Saturday against UT, not UT, um, UNC-Wilmington. Geez, I'm behind today. So that's a back, and back game program? This, I don't know yes, if they're sucked last be- year. Okay. But historically, right. not bad. Yeah, that's where Kevin
2: Keats at uh, NC State came from. So I don't know what they've done since him.
1: They were like, I looked it up the other night for that story. They were uh, very bad last year, like 10 and 23 or something. But historically, a good program, as you mentioned, because of who came out of there and took over at NC State. So uh, 7 o'clock tip off on Thursday night, your first glimpse of the Rebels. I think Colin Colin and I will be back at it in some capacity, I'm sure, before this football season wraps up. Whether that's after another game remains to be seen. But uh, I appreciate it, dude. We'll talk soon. Absolutely, man. Sounds good.